thankfulness, for your generosity. Today is Vision Sunday. I'm excited about it. Amen. I'm excited about all that God has done in the life of our church. I am excited about all that God is going to do in the life of our church. So good to see many of our uh, serve team members representing with their church shirt. And uh, as you heard in the announcements, you can get one of those if you want to sign up for it out there. But uh, just a couple of weeks ago, we had a celebration that, uh, that we <coughs> gave these shirts out to all of our serve team members. And you can see it says on the shirt, established 1935. It was a good reminder to us that while we're excited about what God is doing and the new things that God's going to do in the life of the church, can I tell you, we're building something old. <laughs> we're not just building something new. We're building something old. How many of you know the mission of the church has never changed? It wasn't ours to write. It's not ours to rewrite. In fact, the mission of the church was established by Jesus Christ himself when he started it. It's his baby. It's his purpose. It's his plan. He's the one that said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So I, I only want to build a church that has a money-back guarantee. And that's from Jesus. He said, if you're building my work, my church, it's going to last. It's going to stand the test of time. Jesus gave the mission of the church in Matthew chapter 28. We call it the Great Commission. <laughs> but I want to read it to you this morning as a good reminder to us. Jesus said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely, I am with you always to the very end of the age. That is the mission of the church. Now, every church might define it differently or, or verbalize it differently. The way we communicate our Mission as a church in one sentence is simply this, leading people from where they are to where God wants them to be. <clears throat> That's just our own vernacular, but the mission of the church was set by Jesus. And how many of you know it's true that methods are many, principles are few. The methods always change, the principles never do. I'm going to say that again. Methods are many, principles are few. Methods always change principles never do. I can promise you we're not doing things exactly brand new to the church. If you're just visiting on Sunday morning or, or if you've been here since 1935, and I don't, I don't know if any of you have, but, but the mission of the church is the same for each and every one of us. And it's important. It's important that we have days like today. It's important that we take time to recognize the faithfulness of God that's led us to where we are and the faithfulness of God that's going to lead us to where he wants us to go. I think back to eight years ago when I first came to this church. This was a church of 28 people. We had 28 members, and we could fill all of the first maybe, you know, three rows. But let's be honest, it was a church, so we could fill all of the last three rows. <laughs> Zing. But today we're worshiping in three services, church of 350 strong. And you know not all of you come on the same every weekend, so we're actually 467 average adherents. Praise God. Praise God. <clears throat> if everybody came every week, it'd be like Easter Sunday. Every, every Sunday, I don't know what I'd do with myself. I'd preach myself happy. 
We're standing here today to acknowledge that God has been good. I, I love the way that, that Samuel acknowledged that with the people of Israel in 1 Samuel chapter 7. Look at, look at this verse on the screen. He says in verse 12, it says, The Samuel then took a stone and he set it up between Mizpah and Shin and he named it Ebenezer. Some of you thought Charles Dickens came up with that name. But Samuel named the stone Ebenezer. Why? Because this is what Ebenezer means. He said, saying, thus far, the Lord has helped us. I love that statement. And there's moments in your life, personally and for us congregationally, there's moments where we have to just establish an Ebenezer stone moment. A moment that we can say, thus far, the Lord has helped us. And I love the the, the part of the statement, the Lord has helped us. It's an acknowledgement of God's goodness in our life. There's some people, they look at their life, they look at their circumstances, and they go, so far, so good. But not God's people. We look at where we're at and we say, so far, so God. Thus far, the Lord has helped us. And I love the other part of that statement that he says, thus far. In other words, it's an acknowledgement that, yes, God has brought us here, but God is not finished. There's more to be done. Thus far, the Lord has helped us. As exciting as it is to, to be able to look back and celebrate all that God's done, and as exciting as it is to cast vision and dream and believe for the things to come, reality is, we all know this, we, we have today. We have today to honor God. As the old saying goes, yesterday is history, tomorrow is a mystery, today is a gift. That's why it's called the present. We have this moment to honor God, and tonight we're going we're to take time. We have our family meeting, our annual church business meeting, and, and we're going <coughs> to talk more specifically about, about the vision that God has for us and, and what that looks like in the days to come. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm battling a cough. I promise you it's not COVID. I've had that too many times now. It can't be COVID. <laughs> but I'm good. God willing, we're going to see God do some incredible things in this year. I came across a picture that I keep in the archives. Um, I want to show you. 59 years ago, uh, this church burnt the note on the mortgage for the building that preceded this one. So before we were here and built this building for the glory of God, we had a property down on 2nd Street. That church is still down there by the fire hall. And when the building was paid for, uh, the founding pastor came and joined the current pastor at the time, and they captured this photo of the moment. Wrightsville Assembly of God holds mortgage burning service. Founding pastor participates, and I just think it's pretty awesome that, that 59 years ago, they were standing on that mountain saying, look what the Lord has done. Thus far, the Lord has helped us, and by God's grace and God willing, we're going to begin this year to make payments on the building of our future property. Praise God. Between there and here is an invitation to faithfulness. And, and by the way, I, I just think when that day comes on the new property, Pastor Chris, and we burn the mortgage, we need to recreate that photo. <clears throat> like the thick Coke bottle glasses, I'll slick my hair like Marty McFly, get a couple bow ties, what do you think? 
Like, I, I think <laughs> that's got to happen. But between where we are and where God wants us to be is an invitation to faithfulness, an invitation to obedience, an invitation into the mystery. In 2022, our responsibility is to, to follow the Lord from what is now to what is next. And to get from here to there is going to be a journey in the wilderness. And let me just tell you, I love the wilderness. That excites me. I don't know if I'm alone. Is there any outdoorsmen here, Out, outdoors women? I don't know if there's a politically correct way to say that, but I'm talking to all of you. <clears throat> outdoors people, persons. In fact, last, this past Monday, I, sp I spent my whole day off out on the Mason-Dixon Trail. I'm, I'm telling you, just uh, adventures. In fact, I took a couple pictures. Uh, not that one. I wasn't around for that one. But uh, I took these pictures uh, out on the Mason-Dixon Trail. I mean, this is, this is just south of us on the Susquehanna River. How many of you know we live in a beautiful place? I'm telling you, God has blessed us. The Kilgores, you guys know all about that. They're, they're over there. I'm telling you, it's an absolutely beautiful place. And, and I spent literally all day. Just hiking on that trail, enjoying creation, being uh, outdoors makes me feel closer to God. In fact, next month, uh, I'm going to go up to the White Mountains in New Hampshire, and uh, we're going we're gonna to finally check the box. I'm going to finish hiking the presidential peaks in the winter season on President's Day weekend. That's pretty cool. I'm excited about that. Um, so I, I've got a picture. This I took last time I was up there at Mount Washington. <coughs> Um, it, it's a different event hiking in the winter than it is in the summer, I can promise you. But uh, we're going to go up there. We're going to have a great time just exploring and, and hiking all the presidential peaks. I looked this morning, by the way. You can, you can go on the Weather Observatory website. That's that building on the top of Mount Washington up there. It's literally strapped down with chains. Um, I looked at the weather this morning. It's currently negative 15 degrees, 85-mile-an-hour wind gust. And a wind chill of negative 57. I was like, God, thank you that I'm not up there this morning. That's, that's the deal. 85 miles an hour would take you off a steep cliff. And so, not doing that. But I am excited <coughs> about getting up there and exploring that. Anybody just love the mountains beside me? Any mountain people here? Yeah. I'll let all you beach folks talk to my wife later. But mountain people? The Bible says, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those that bring good news. So those of you that didn't raise your hand, we know who have the funky toes in the church. Like, the rest of us, we have beautiful feet, right? <laughs> some, some people, every time I talk about, like, winter mountaineering, somebody's quick to remind me, Jesus said, lo, I am with you always to the ends of the earth. Like, <laughs> yeah. But I love the wilderness. I love to get out and explore, and the reason is because I love adventure, because I love discovery. When I was on the Mason-Dixon Trail on Monday, we were, if you've ever been on the trail, you know that it's marked by blue blazes, the blue marks on trees or on boulders, and, and every time I see the blue blazes, it, it reminds me of a couple things. First of all, it reminds me that somebody's been here before, <laughs> just when I feel, you know, like uh, some explorer, I'm like, oh yeah, <laughs> somebody cut this trail. It also tells me that somebody knows the way. So if I, if I can follow the blaze, if I can stay on the trail, I'll get to where 
I need to go. I, I love the verse in Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21. Here's what it says, and here's an application for us. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. Church, I want to tell you, I believe in this year, more than anything else, God wants to invite us into a new adventure. I believe God wants to invite us to, to unknown territory. He's calling us as a church to blaze a trail that will impact and lead generations to follow us. He's inviting us, church, to, to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, to hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. I want to tell you today, the wilderness is calling my spirit. I hear the voice of the Lord calling, and the wilderness awaits for the bold, those who are willing to answer it. This, this is a word that I believe God is speaking to us as a church in 2022, and I want you to see it on the screen, and more than that, I want you to let it get in your heart. God, by his spirit, is calling us into the unknown. And we can go into it confidently knowing that there is a voice behind us, a voice within us that's saying this is the way. Walk in it. The wilderness is a place where we receive God's call. The wilderness is a place where we receive God's provision. <clears throat> it's a place where he prepares us and equips us to accomplish his will. Now, some of you I can tell because of how quiet it got. The room like all the oxygen got sucked out of the room because you are the oversaved people in the room. You are the biblical scholars. And the moment I said the word I sense God speaking is the wilderness, immediately you went to all of the negative connotations in the word of God about the way you started preaching my sermon without me. I know you did. You started thinking about like, oh man, wandering, uh, hunger, thirst, uh, you know, rebellion, exile. Pastor, we just came through a global pandemic. I'm not feeling the wilderness. That might be your word. I'm thinking maybe oasis. Uh, give me promised land. You know, I, I'm not feeling that. I know what you're doing. I know what you're doing. You're, you're thinking about all the bad things. But can I tell you, and I know you know this is true, bad news travels a lot faster than good news. Bad news sells. I mean, if you just watch the news, it's all bad. <laughs> I mean, you, you can have a hundred good things happen and one thing goes wrong. And I promise you, the headline is going to be the, the one thing that went wrong. You know what I realized? We do the same thing with the Word of God. We, we look at the hundreds of blessings and promises and provisions, and then our, our, our heart and our eyes get drawn to the restriction. I'll give you an example. Do this with me, a little exercise. What verse comes to mind, what's the first thought from the scripture that comes to mind? Now, my guess is, if, you, if you're pretty familiar with scripture, the first verse that most of us thought of was, the love of money is the root of all evil. The love of money is the root, and, and I hear that verse, that is the most popular verse on money. But can I tell you, there's a lot of really positive things that the Bible says about money. There's a whole lot of dozens of positive statements. The Bible says about Abram in Genesis 13, he was very wealthy in livestock, in silver, and in gold. The Bible says that Job was a man of great wealth. The Bible says Solomon was the richest man on the face of the earth for one reason, because in 1 Kings chapter 3, God answered his prayer. 
Proverbs 10 says, The blessing of the Lord maketh rich with no sorrow added. Deuteronomy 8 says, Remember the Lord, for it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth. We didn't think of those verses. We thought the love of money is the root of all evil. It's bad. And you know, we do the same thing with the wilderness. When we think about the wilderness, right away our mind goes to the the negative thoughts. And true confession, that's where my mind went. As I'm praying and seeking the Lord and he begins to speak to me about the wilderness, I was like, get behind me, Satan. You know, like, I rebuke that word, you know. Wilderness, I don't know, I don't want a wilderness. I I want a promise. (laughs) I want a blessing. I I don't want a wilderness. And I just kept hearing the Lord speak that, so then I began to open the word. And actually look at what the word of God says. And I realized that we have cynically framed the wilderness. And I want you to know that there is blessing, there is provision, that God's will is the wilderness. God has blessing, he has plans, he has revelation that he wants to give to his people, things that he wants us to discover this year. But I'm gonna tell you, there's one place that God gives those things. It's in the wilderness. Thank God for all he's done. Thank God for all that he's gonna do. But to get from where we are to where God wants us to be, I wanna tell you, the wilderness is the way. The wilderness is the way. The Bible says this, the steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. And yet somehow we interpret it to mean the starts and the stops are ordered by the Lord. But it's somewhere in the journey that we begin to doubt his provision, doubt his sovereignty, doubt his goodness. I'm gonna tell you, God is faithful to order your steps every part of the journey. Thank God for the wilderness. So I want you to just go with me quickly to the most popular wilderness story in the Bible, the one that many of us were probably thinking of a moment ago, and it starts in Exodus chapter 3. (laughs) Exodus 3 is where God calls Moses to lead the people. He speaks to him from within a burning bush. He's heard the cry of the Israelites in bondage and captivity in Egypt, and pick it up with me in verse 7 of Exodus 3. He says, the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. A home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, the Parasites, all the ites. You know what's amazing about this moment? God gives Moses a vision of a land flowing with milk and honey. And some of you are like, yeah, that sounds better. Why don't we go with milk and honey? You know, God didn't give him a vision of the wilderness. Now, if you know the story, that's odd because you know that the promised land will not be actualized in their life for another four decades. The wilderness is right around the corner. But God doesn't speak about the wilderness. And it's not like it's not a compelling vision. I mean, just imagine if God had spoken to Moses out of the flame about the wilderness. He could have said, Moses, you are going to supernaturally be led into the wilderness. 
I mean, I'm, I'm going to open up the Red Sea, and you're going to see miracles that take you there. And when you get there, you're not going to have to go to the grocery store. You're going to have to plant any seed in the ground because every day I'm going to cause manna to come down from heaven and feed you. And when the people get thirsty, I'm going to cause water to come gushing out of a rock to satisfy their thirst. And for all the time you live in the wilderness, you're never going to have to go shopping because your sandals will never wear out and your clothes will never be threadbare. And you're never going to ask the question, where is God? Because every day you're going to see a physical manifestation of my presence demonstrated in a cloud. And at night there's going to be a Holy Spirit lit nightlight. A fire is going to be right there. And all you have to do is just follow the physical manifestation of my presence. I don't know about you, but that's pretty compelling. Like, sign me up. Let's go. Let's get wild. Like, hey, here we go. Let's do it. But God never mentions the wilderness when he gives him the vision. And I had to wonder why, and I'm going to tell you why. Because the wilderness is the way. The wilderness is not the destination. See, a vision is is a picture of the next event horizon. While our mission never changes, and while, while our mission is steadfast and immovable, a vision is a picture of a preferred future. And so God goes and flowing with milk and honey. When you look at the next event horizon for Israel, they envisioned a nation of their own. Freedom where they could establish their own. But for the father of their faith, Abraham, he was looking way beyond that. In fact, the Bible tells us that In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 9, by faith, Abraham made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, his son and grandson, Israel, who were heirs with him of the same promise. So this is the promise. This is the vision. Why is Abraham living there like a foreigner, like a nomad just traveling through? The next verse tells us, for he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. The father of our faith said, I'm looking way beyond the the next little milestone in the journey. I'm looking way beyond making a a home in the promised land. I'm looking to heaven's homeland. I'm looking for a nation whose builder and architect is the Lord. Now, As a church, God's given us a vision. He's given us a vision of a new location where we can see more people come to Christ than ever before. And thank God for that. But can I tell you, every Christian has a vision that goes way beyond that. God's vision for your life and for my life is far bigger than brick and mortar. In John chapter 14, we see the words of Jesus as he lays out this compelling vision for all of his followers. John 14, 1, Jesus said, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And then he begins to paint on the canvas of their minds when he says, my father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go there and I prepare a place for you, know this, I will come again and I will receive you and take you with me so that you also may be where I am And then he tells him in verse 4, you know the way to the place where I'm going. And at that, they were like, hold hold up, wait a minute. 
Thomas speaks up in verse 5 and he says, Jesus, we don't, we don't know the way. Lord, we do not know the way you are going. <clears throat> we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus answers in verse 6, I am the way. See, the wilderness is the way, but Jesus in this moment says, you need to know your way through the wilderness, it's me. I am the way. Is it any surprise that following Jesus is wild? I mean, come on. If following Jesus is not exciting, you're doing it wrong. I'm just telling you, you're doing it wrong. People that just sit on their rusty, dusty, blessed assurance and wait for Christ to come back, hold the fort, you're doing it wrong. Called to advance a kingdom. He's invited us to follow him, but his invitation is not to some life improvement plan. His invitation is to eternal life. And eternal life is not just a quantity of life that begins after you die. It's a quality of life that begins the moment you're born again. God's plan for your life, it begins the moment of new birth, the moment of salvation. Eternal life is yours, everlasting life. The life that Jesus promised in John 10 and 10 when he said, the enemy, the thief, he comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come to give you life to the fullest. An adventure. A vision. That picture of a preferred future is important to have. You need to have a vision. You need to have a, a design, a, a desire. How many of you know you miss 100% of the shots you don't take? And so for some of you, maybe it's, very, maybe it's very clear. Your vision is graduate college. You know, Maybe your vision is to get married or, or to start a family. Or maybe the vision that you've been really leaning and stretching towards the finish line on is retirement. Or maybe it's a spiritual thing, and you're saying, I want to read the whole Bible this year. And it's January 30th, and you're 15 days behind on your reading plan, and you're like, ugh. I know how it goes. But you got a vision. And you say, I, I want to be a person that, that reads the Word of God. I want to be a believer that can say I've read the whole of God's authoritative written Word for my life. You need a vision, but I, I want to tell you, the way to get there is through the wilderness. The wilderness is the place where God prepares you for the promised land. There's so many things that, that we're going to unpack that God has just been stirring in my heart, but I just really quickly want to tell you three things, three reasons, because maybe you're still not convinced, three reasons that you need the wilderness. Number one, you need the wilderness because it's a place of God's deliverance. The wilderness is the place of God's deliverance. When he saved Israel out of captivity in Egypt, he didn't save them out and drop them in the promised land. The wilderness was the place of deliverance. The wilderness represented the, the freedom in Christ, the wide open spaces, the, the new territory, the unknown, the following of the Lord. It was a place of deliverance. And, and I know some of you, you, you know the Bible, and so right away you think about the, the judgment of God that came, and it did come. Because God led them through the, to go and, and to assess the land that God had said it's yours and he had confirmed it through miracle signs and wonders. And for 40 days, those 12 spies looked at the land only to come back and to vote against possessing the land. 
dictated by fear. And God was so frustrated with them, he said, I'm going to punish this generation for every day they spent looking and gazing at the promise that I had for them. They're going to spend a year in the wilderness. Forty days equals 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. But can I remind all of us that the punishment was the wandering, not the wilderness. The wilderness was a place of salvation. Deliverance comes in the wilderness. The wilderness is great if you know where you're going. (laughs) Now, if you don't have a map, thank God we have a map, and you don't have a blaze, you don't have a spirit voice speaking, saying this is the way to go, walk in it. The wilderness can be a dangerous place. But I believe this year is a year that God wants to bring some freedom. God wants this to be a year of deliverance. For some of you, you've, you've been just kind of going around the same mountain. You've been trapped in a, in, a, in a stronghold. Maybe like Israel was in bondage in Egypt. There's things in your life that you feel trapped. You feel confined. And you're, you just want to grab a hold of this word to say, to say, God, let this be the day. Let this be the year that I break free from the bondage. That I step into the freedom of following Jesus with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. The second reason you need the wilderness is because the wilderness is not only a place of deliverance, but the wilderness is God's place of discipleship. When God delivered Israel, they crossed the Red Sea. The Red Sea is a type of water baptism. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 10, Paul says that. He says they all, they were, they were baptized. They went through the waters of salvation to, to symbolize for us when we get baptized and give our life to Jesus, we go into the water and all of the old things of our life, the slavery and the bondage to sin are broken off. And when they came out of the water into the wilderness, they stepped in as a free people. Canaan was their promised land. Canaan was the the end game. Canaan was, for us, heaven. Heaven is our home. We're just pilgrims passing through this wilderness phase. And so for us, it's the promise of a future hope in glory. But between the the provision of salvation at the Red Sea and, and the promised land of heaven, there's a wilderness. And the wilderness is the place of discipleship. You know, it only took them a day to cross the Red Sea and to be set free, but it took 40 years for them to learn how to live free. For some of you, this needs to be the year of discipleship. You've given your heart to Jesus one too many times. It's time to just take up your cross and start following him. It's in the wilderness that we actually learn to live free. I believe 2020 is a year for some of you to be led by the Spirit of God. To hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. You're going to change your walk, you're going to change your gait, you're going to change your stride, and you're going to find a pace of discipleship. The third reason, I'm going to ask the worship team to come, the third reason, you need the wilderness. Not only is it a place of deliverance and a place of discipleship, but the wilderness is a place of discernment. Discernment. That's a good Bible word, but how do, how do I know God's will? How do I know what God wants for my life? Can I tell you the answer is often discovered in the wilderness? The wilderness is the place where we hear God's voice. That's why Exodus chapter 3 begins by telling us that Moses led his flocks to the far side of the wilderness. And it was there that the angel of the Lord appeared to him 
from the flames within the bush that was burning but not consumed. It was in the wilderness that God revealed his word to Israel, his structure, his foundation for civilization. The Ten Commandments came on Mount Sinai in the wilderness. Like God could have gave those to Moses before he went to set them free. Like Moses could have showed up like, you know, with their whole declaration of independence and the Constitution and been like, look, look at the Egyptian government. Look at the political systems. Look at the way they treat each other. God showed me a better way. Let's go. But he didn't do that. Nor did he wait until they were in the promised land where they had their own place and their own borders and they could elect their own leaders and say, okay, well now let me give you your constitution. No. He gave it to them in the wilderness. In the wilderness, he said, I want you to hear my voice and learn how to follow my lead. Not before they were saved, not after they arrived. Ezekiel 20, verse 10 and 11 says this. It says, therefore I led them out of Egypt and I brought them into the wilderness. I gave them my decrees. I made known to them my laws by which the person who obeys them will live. God wants to bring some of us into a wilderness where he can teach us, where we can learn his laws and decrees and live the life that Christ intended for us. It was in the wilderness that Jesus' kingdom was first announced. Not in the temple, not amongst the multitudes. The Bible says in Matthew 3 and 1, in those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. You know, when it comes to church uh, buildings, <coughs> people say, location, location, location. Not John the Baptist. He made it hard to hear his sermon in the wilderness. Well, verse 3 tells us, because it says this is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, who said a voice of one calling out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord and make straight paths for him. It's in the wilderness that God communicates his kingdom agenda. That's why when Elijah was discouraged, he had to go out into the wilderness to hear from God. That's where David had to go. That's where Paul went when God struck him down on the Emmaus Road or the road to Damascus. He, he had to go out into the wilderness to get God's plan for his life. That's why when the disciples started getting excited about the crowds, more people were coming and, and they, were, they were really excited and they kind of got distracted by all that. Jesus said to them, hey guys, come away with me. Come away with me. I, I, I need you to lean in and discern what I'm doing. I need you to get back on track with the kingdom agenda and so come away to the wilderness. The wilderness is a place where we discern what God is saying, what he's doing. It's the place where we're discipled. It's the place where we're delivered. I want to invite you, if you would, stand with me all over this room. We're going to take a moment and pray together. <clears throat> and I want to say this. I, I'm speaking from like 30,000 feet elevation. I'm, I'm speaking corporately, and, and yet I believe the Holy Spirit wants to speak prophetically. But I'll acknowledge, I don't know what your mountain is. I don't know what you're up against. I don't know what you need delivered from. I don't, need, I don't know what new discipline needs to be structured into your life or, or what questions you need God to answer, to give you revelation about. But I know this. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that every Christian is invited into the wilderness. 
You know how I know? I know because I'm not who I used to be. But I also know I'm not who I'm going to be. I know there's an invitation to the wilderness because I'm not where I used to be. But I also know I'm not where I'm going to be. And this moment of salvation is the most critical moment. If you've never crossed the Red Sea in your relationship with God, if you've never broken the bondage of sin, you need to take that step today. You need to receive grace and forgiveness confess your sins to God and receive the forgiveness that he alone can offer through the finished work of Christ on the cross we can be forgiven but the moment you've had that experience until the moment we step into our eternal promised land it's an invitation into the wilderness so we're going to pray right here at the end of this service and we're gonna, I just, I just want to pray these three things over you. I, w- I want to pray deliverance, discipleship, and discernment. And I want, I want to just ask that, I want to just ask that you would open your heart to the Lord. And in a moment, this worship team's gonna, we're gonna sing, we're gonna declare. But right now, if you, if you just sense the Lord drawing you to, to come to seek Him. I want to open these altars for a moment. We don't always do this on Sunday morning, and I, I know practically there's not enough room for everybody to come. But I know sometimes I just got to gotta physically move to get near God. Sometimes I just want to seek the Lord. So I want to invite you, any and every one, to just come and press in as close as you can get. Just step in and join me at these altars for a moment. Could we do that? Let's just press in a little bit to God. Let, let's, as an outward way of saying, God, I... I I want to follow you. I hear a voice behind me saying, this is the way. Walk in it. Come on, let's just press into him for a moment. I want to pray this over you. Pray with me, church. God, I pray today that that this would be a year, that 2022 would be a year of deliverance. That God, those strongholds that keep pulling us back, those things that the enemy just keeps hanging over our heads, the, the, the condemnation, the feelings of failure, the regret, the missed opportunities, the lost moments. God, I pray that this would be a season of deliverance, that we would pass through the waters and that the enemy would be drowned behind us the same way you drowned the charioteers and the horsemen of Egypt in the Red Sea. God, we pray that you would just abolish the works of the enemy in our lives. In Jesus' name, I decree 2022 to be a year of deliverance that we are walking into the freedom of the wilderness that you've put before us. God, let this be the year. And God, we just speak that this is going to be a year that we're established in our devotion to you. That this is a year of discipleship. God, that this is a year that, that we don't take two steps forward and three steps back. But that, God, we begin to follow the, the cloud. That we begin to follow the flame of your presence your spirit leading us, feeding us, satisfying our thirst. God, let this be a season where we learn day by day to trust and pray. Give us this day our daily bread. God, thank you that this is going to be a year that we're going to grow in our relationship with you. This invitation to discipleship. And God, I pray that in this year there would be clarity. 
about what you're saying. God, for those that are just needing discernment, they need to recognize the voice of the Lord telling them which way to go. God, I pray that 2022 is a year that the vision that you've placed before them, that God, we would walk with confidence knowing that the steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. God, we know you're leading us. We know you're leading us. And God, the only question is, will we follow? So Lord, today, on this Vision Sunday, Lord, we just surrender. We surrender our whole selves to your lead. Lord, we don't want to shortcut the process of what you're doing. We don't want to shortcut the process of what you're doing. We want to follow you. Lead us, Lord. Lead us, Lord. Come on, let's just declare it all over this room.